It's amazing how time flies when the holiday season is upon us again. And as you know, all know, <coughs> excuse me, this is uh, Christmas time, even though there are those I would like to call this winter recess and a whole other names. And one, if they had their way, we'd be saying Merry Frosty to each other or something like that. Or Frosty the Snowman would be the key person. But um, in addition to Christmas time, some of you may have heard of um, Advent. Uh, a time of year that is called Advent, and there are some some churches or some uh, uh, denominations that that also celebrate the time that's called Advent, and that runs roughly from uh, mid-November, I believe it is, up until the time that that, uh, that Christmas comes when Jesus was born, and that is supposed to be that time of a celebration that was in expectation of Jesus Christ being born. Okay. And uh, those that follow or believe in Advent, they, they light candles, and there's a couple of candles for each day, and each set of candles pertains to a certain part of, of Christianity and so on like that. And I won't get into all of the details. But the whole thing was focused on the, the expectation that Jesus was going to come. Now, we know that in Isaiah in particular, and we're going to read some of those scriptures today, the birth of Jesus, which we are about to celebrate in a couple of weeks, was also prophesied way back when Isaiah was written. And the book of Isaiah was written somewhere around the 8th century B.C. Okay, so that was well before Jesus was born. But the word of God prophesied and foretold his coming. But it was all about expectations and the planning of Jesus' coming, okay? And that's what I want to focus on today, the expectations of things to come. Um, we come to church every Sunday, and we sing, and we pray, and we praise God, and so forth. And you come and you hear the word of God. But also, in coming to church, you should be coming to church with an expectation. And those expectations could be multifold. They could be expectations of, of, of having a prayer answered or hearing something in the Word of God that will make a situation in your life better, that will, will give you a different insight on what the Word of God is saying relative to your life experience or relative to what is going on. So every day that we come to church, we should expect to hear from God. We should expect a miracle. We should expect a change in our lives so that when you walk away from church on a Sunday, hopefully there is something that you heard that resonated with your life, resonated with what is going on in your life, so that it is indeed more than just a, so that it is more than just a, a two or three hour experience where you're just sitting around and singing songs and listening to words. So this time of year where expectation is so important because we're looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ, even though we know it already happened, the holiday season is a time of, of celebration I want to go back and, and, and make sure that we all understand why we celebrate Christmas, and more importantly, why Jesus had to come, okay, the purpose. God just didn't decide to wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'll send my son down to earth, you know, have him born in human form, amen. There was a need. So let's go to the book of Isaiah, and, and as usual, we want to build, build the background first <clears throat> and, see, and see why uh, God decided to send Jesus here and, and the condition of, of mankind. Um, we all know that in the garden, in the Garden of Eden, uh, God's divine intention there was, uh, uh, I won't say it was stopped, but it was certainly uh, 
God's plan for mankind, you know, with Adam and Eve sinning the way they did and sin coming into the world that had to be corrected. And so God had a plan. And then as man developed over the many centuries and left the Garden of Eden and Abraham and so on like that, Israel was still in a sinful condition. Mankind was still in a sinful condition. So if we go to Isaiah chapter 1, and we'll just start with uh, verse number 2. Isaiah 1, verse number 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and his ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people doth not consider. Our sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Please underline the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land foreigners devour in it your, your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughters of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, please in the line, a very small remnant, Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been like Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Okay? So here you see here what God is saying here through his word is that Israel had, re had reverted back to being a sinful nation. Uh, it talk and it sounds very similar of what's happening here today, even in verse number 5, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. And then it goes on to say there that your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land foreigners. You know, it seems like if this country isn't careful in the way it's going, it sounds like it's leading away from God also. But not to, to, to get sidetracked there, but we see here, Israel indeed were, um, had fallen into a state where they were not worshiping God uh, like they should have been. We move forward to Isaiah 7, Isaiah chapter 7. And it's interesting, though, how God is saying there, too, that there is a small remnant. Um, even today, even though uh, the rest of the country and many parts of the world would seem to be going astray and getting away from the things of God, there is indeed a small remnant, and that remnant are, are folks like us uh, here in Genesis 1 and other churches that are still following God and following, um, following God in spirit, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Amen. And that small remnant that is remaining faithful, um, God will watch over us and keep us during these times of, uh, of turmoil. So we see in Isaiah 7, and I want to go to verse number 10 only, Isaiah 7, verse number 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord. This is, this is where now it's talking about Jesus being prophesied. Moreover, the Lord spoke unto Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I test the Lord. And he said, Hear you now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, you know, we know that Emmanuel means God with us, so underline Emmanuel. So, what was happening here is that man in its sinful state, God had decided that the only way to fix this is to bring, to send my son, this is where this is leading to, to send my son to bring man back to me, because man had gotten to the point that they had just left God, and there was no way... um, They were just sinning over and over again, and as the previous scripture said, the head is sick, so therefore the whole nation is sick, you see. And we kind of, again, it's hard not to draw the parallels between then and now, because we kind of see that now. The head is sick, you know, and when you have someone that is in a governing position, and if that person or those people in the governing position is quote-unquote sick, then it winds up impacting the whole nation because people wind up following that lead. So that's what was happening here. And so God is saying in verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. All right. Then we see here that uh, um, now, then we go to Isaiah 9, jumping ahead a little bit, verse number 1. And then we hear through Isaiah, we hear Jesus' birth and authority, so to speak, is foretold. And Isaiah 9, verse number 1, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Please highlight or put a bracket around verse number two there. Thou hast multiplied the nation and increased the joy. They rejoice before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. But thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Please highlight all of verse number 6 or put a bracket around it. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order to order it and to establish it with justice and with righteousness. From henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord sent a word unto Jacob, and it hath lighted, lighted upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in the pride of, of, of stoutness of heart. Okay, so we see in here, particularly in verses number 6 and 7, where it's in verse number 6, unto thee a child is born, unto us a child is born, and then in verse 7, uh, of the increase of his government, and peace shall be no end upon the throne of David. So here it was prophesied that Jesus was going to be born. First it said, 
the, the uh, we shall call him Emmanuel, but he shall be called Emmanuel, which is literally God with us. So God is saying through the prophet that God is going to come and dwell with man because man is in such a fallen state. The only way to undo this is, is for God to actually come down and dwell. And then in verse number 6 where it goes with the various titles, and we know that Jesus is called by these names, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So here now, Jesus' birth is being prophesied, and also his authority and what he is going to do is being prophesied. And then we move forward again now to uh, Isaiah 42. Okay. Okay. So Jesus was born, and we celebrated during this Christmas season, but there was indeed a reason. You know, it, 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 uh, God knew that the only way to, uh, to solve, to, to bring man back to himself, there was to send his son. 42 talks about Jesus' predicted ministry, starting with verse number 1. Behold my servant, behold my servant, whom I'm, who I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit in him. He shall bring forth justice to the nations. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall, not, uh, shall he not quench. He shall bring forth justice in truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set justice in the earth, and the coasts will wait for his law. Thus saith God, the Lord, he who created the heavens, underline, he who created the heavens, and stretched them out. He who spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of the earth, he who gives breath unto the people upon it, and the spirit to them that walk in it. There's no line, he who giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk in it. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand. I will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the, uh, uh, light of the nations. So, and also be reminded here in verse number 5 that God is saying that he is the one that, that uh, gives breath unto the people, and the spirit to them that walk in it. Many times people forget that God, God gives us the very breath of life that we have. We ignore God. We forget about God. We don't think about who he is and what relevance he has to us. He gives us breath. Verse number 7. To open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and to those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. Please in the line to open the blind eyes and to bring out the prisoners. See, God is saying that even back here, that with Jesus coming, there are many, many eyes that are blind. They are spiritually blind and they, are, they, they do not see. People that we know that reject the way that we think and do not understand the things that we know about God is because they are indeed spiritually blind. Their eyes have not been opened. Jesus was sent for that purpose. The reason that we understand what we do understand is because Jesus came, and after Jesus came, he made the way for Holy Spirit to come, who gives us the enlightenment that we have. But God knew back here the way mankind was going. The only way to bring man back to himself was going to be through, through his son Jesus. Verse number 8 continues and says, I am the Lord that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before thy spring forth, I tell you of them. All right? So he's saying here that 
that are, uh, he, he will not give his glory to others, and especially not carved images. So we need to, need to be careful on how we wind up uh, worshiping other things and putting things before God. Uh, his glory he will give to, to none other. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea, and all that, that uh, is in it, the coast and their habitants. Um, jump down to 13, verse number 13. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have for a long time held my peace. I have been still and restrained myself. Now will I cry like a, tra- like a travailing woman. I will destroy, destroy and devour at once. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all of the herbs and all the herbs and I will make the rivers coastlands and I will dry up the pools. Last verse I want to cover here is I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. So he's saying that I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. This happens to us very much today even, because we oftentimes when there are new things going on in our lives and we do not, do not know or do not expect where God is going to take us, it's like us in faith, we're just kind of going along blindly. So when we feel like God is taking us someplace, we have to realize that God is the one doing the leading. And I submit to you today that going into 2014, that God is going to lead many of us in a way. 2015, thank you, Kathy. Dude, I don't want to get stuck in the same year. Yeah, amen, amen. That's done, way done, overcooked. Um, <laughs> uh, as we go into 2015, amen, that God will lead many of us in a way that we have not been before. But do not be afraid, do not be worried, amen. Amen, the same way God was saying it to Israel, that I'm going to take you to a place where you haven't been before, that Jesus is going to lead us. It's going to be a new age, a new era. Jesus was coming back to correct all of the old things that was done wrong. So Jesus is going to be very prevalent in our lives in 2015. So that is one of the things about expectations that we should be looking forward to. All right? So now that we've kind of seen here, we know why Jesus was born, why Jesus was sent, and the expectations of Israel for all all of these years, they were waiting for the Messiah to come because they, he was prophesied so um, well back there. What do we do today, and what kind of expectations should we have? Let's go to the book of Psalms. Okay. We should be moving forward with, with all sorts of expectations that God will watch over us and protect us and take care of us. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 56. Okay. What kind of expectations should we have? Well, we should have expectations that, that God, will, God will protect us. God will protect us from all things and, and, and people and others and everything else like that. Psalm 56, verse number 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He, fighting daily, oppresses me. My enemies would daily swallow me up. For they are many that fight against me, O thou most high. When I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will have my trust. I will have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. So many times we as Christians, we have things that are going on in our lives and we, 
we look at who is at the center of that issue. And at the center of that issue or at the front of that issue could be a human being, a person. We as Christians do not have to fear what man can do to us. Man can do no harm to you. First place, God is fighting our battles for us. Okay, so one expectation should be is that if there are issues going on in our lives that is indeed involving other people, that first of all, we, we do not be afraid. The expectation is that God is going to bring me through it. And how do you, how do you know that? You've, in verse number 3 it says, When I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I will have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day, every day they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape my, by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the peoples, O God. Thou numberest my wanderings. Put, them, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. How many times have we maybe been in situations there where there are those who are, are gathering together and planning and, and scheming against you? I mean, we may or you may not have had that happen to you. If not, good for you, praise God. But those of us that have had that happen, it's quite an uncomfortable situation when you know that there are people that are plotting and scheming. And the word of God here is saying there that, that are, um, are they gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul, shall they escape by their iniquity. All right? But we have to know, and the expectation is, is that God is going to be watching out for us. Verse 9, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Please highlight all of verse number 9. So in other words, no matter what is going on in your life, and if there are indeed people that are plotting and scheming, and, and this doesn't, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we Christians are all paranoid and things like that, but we live in the world, you know, we, we cannot escape being in the world, and in the world we are exposed to things like this, you know, right? but know what, it is, what God is saying here in number nine, if you cry out to God, then that your enemies will turn back. And this I know, for God is with me. So the expectation there is for you to know that God is for you. God is for you. You have to be able to be in a position that if anyone is coming against you, if there are folks that are giving you a hard time, the expectation should not be that you're going to fail, that you're going to fall, that you're going to stumble, but that God is indeed there for you, and all you have to do is to talk to him. You know, So many times I think, I think we as Christians so many times think that when we have issues going on in our lives, that we've got to figure out a fancy prayer. We've got to figure out a fancy prayer, you know, or, or find the exact right scripture to read. Yes, reading the scripture is very important, and God can speak to you through scripture. But many times, all you need to do is to simply go and talk to God and tell him what is troubling you. Tell him what is worrying you. Tell him that in this particular situation, here we're talking about what man can do to you, that there is so-and-so, so-and-so out there, and use the person's name when you're talking to God. Use the person's name if there's more than one. This is my situation. This is what's going on. Lord, I cry out to you to please help me, deliver me from this, give me some guidance, give me some direction. You know, just talk to God and let him know, let him know where your heart is, you see. And as it is saying there in verse 9, when I cry out to thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. So talking about expectations here today, your expectation should be that if you're calling out to God in a situation like this, your expectation should be that God is going to help you. You know, you know every single day we have expectations that we don't 
don't even give a second thought about. We get in our car, you take out your car keys, you sit in the, put it in the ignition, you turn it, the expectation is it's going to start. You don't even think about it. If you have direct deposit of your paycheck or anything else that's coming in, the expectation is when you go online to look at it, the money is there. All right? You know, the expectation is if you order something off of Amazon, it's going to be delivered. Well, that's kind of chancy these days. But in terms of expectation, the expectation is, however, you know, that you're going to get it. So we have expectations every single day of our lives. So why is it, though, that when it comes down to the things that are really, really important to us, the things that give us difficulty, the things that make us lose sleep at night, why are our expectations any less, especially when it's pertaining to God, okay? So when there are people involved in your life that may be giving you a hard time, remember what verse number 9 is saying, When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. Verse number 11. In God have I put my trust. Underline. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Underline that too. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. So many times, especially, you know, those of us who are going to work and so on like that, and if your boss is upset or or something is going on, uh, you, you get, you know, being called up on the carpet, as it's called, you know, you got to report to the boss's office, someone tells you, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so is waiting for you, you know, 9 o'clock, and you get in, go in there on pins and needles and whatnot. The expectation is that God is going to be with you, and you're not going to be afraid of what man can do unto you. Because what can man do to you? What can man do to you? Man can do nothing to you. Man cannot can do a thing, you know. And even if you want to take it to the really go overboard and analyze the situation, the ultimate thing that man can do is take your life, okay, and, you know, through execution or something like that. But even then, who winds up winning out? You certainly do because you're a child of God and so you're home with the Lord. You see? You see, so... The only thing that a man can, can impact here are things of this temporal existence, the things that happen in the here and now here on this earth. But as far as eternity is concerned, man cannot touch that. Man has no control over that because God is the one that's in control. But you have to have the expectation, though, that God is not even going to let it go that far. You don't have to be afraid of someone even threatening you with physical harm. You know, we, we look, at, look at Daniel. Look, look, look at um, um, Meshach and, and Abednego and Shadrach, all right? You put them in the, in the furnace, and not a hair was singed. You know, Daniel thrown in the lion's den. This is a case here where man threatened physical harm to their physical bodies there. And God intervened and did not touch them at all. The, the lions didn't even touch Daniel. And God will do the same thing in our lives today. So we don't have to be afraid of man. You have to be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of, of, of anyone, of anyone, you, you know. Uh, uh, President of the United States, any other, any other elected official, you give them the respect that is due. Child of God, as a child of God, God wants us to respect people, to give them the respect that is due. But when it comes down to any other kinds of threats or anything that it would take you away from God, you have to stand your ground. You have to stand your ground and do what you know God would want you to do. And just incidentally, just... Talking about this, and as I'm speaking, Holy Spirit is just bringing it back to remembrance. Um, Tanya and I watched an excellent movie last night, and I encourage you to see it if you haven't. Is God is not dead? 
God is not dead. If you have not seen that yet, I really, really urge you. I don't recommend movies too often, but I really, really recommend watching that movie because this is exactly what I'm talking about. We're not having fear of what man can do to me. You have to do what you know God requires of us. And at, at the threat of if any peril or any penalty, you have to do what God is calling you to do and do the right thing. So if you get a chance, see that movie. But verse number 11, in God have I put my trust. That's the expectation that God is going to bring me through. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Verse 12, thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. That's the prison of light. I will render praises unto thee. Praising God is so important. Praising God is so important. Praising God is so important. Um, again, we don't spend the first 15 or 20 minutes or so of opening worship service in doing praise just for the sake of doing it. You know, and I, like I said before, looking at the youngsters here, they were actually sitting there with their eyes closed during the praise and worship time. This is the time where you're not fiddling around. You should be praising God. You want to get God into your life. You want him to do what he's saying he will do here. You have to praise God. And I don't, I've never counted the number of times. So I did a computer search on how many times it talks about praise God. I'm sure you'd be amazed at the number of times it talks about it. How can you expect to have God work, working and operating in your life the way you want him to and need him to when you can't take time to praise him. You see, praising God is ultimate, of ultimate importance here. Thou, thou vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not that they, thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the sight, in the, in the light of the living. Amen? Amen? So we see here then, so the expectation here is that, is that God will always protect us from harm concerning other people. Going to verse, uh, Psalm number 57. And continuing here, okay, again, the expectation here with God delivering us from troubles that come up into our lives. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful uh, unto me, for my soul trusts in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be passed by. So what that is saying, that yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I uh, make my refuge until these calamities be passed by. Things are going wrong in your life. You need God's protection. This is where you run to God. Under the shadow of his wings means that you're dwelling with God. You're, you're expecting the fact that if I run to God for protection, he's going to be there. You know, we've, you've heard me talk about older brothers or older sisters, you know, who were there for you when you got into trouble as a youngster and so on, or you ran to your mom and your dad. We have to realize that God is there for us also. And the expectation should be that if I run to God when I'm in a difficult time here, when those calamities are arising in my life, that he's going to be there for me. Verse number two. I will cry unto God most high, unto God who performance all things for me. Okay, cry unto God most high. This is the time here also crying unto God. The scripture is talking about crying out unto God. It's not talking about a silent cry. You know, you may have seen, you know, some kids who kind of cry silently. You know, they're not making any noise, but you see tears streaming down their faces. Crying is usually something that is spoken forth. That is, it's a sound that is coming forth. So when you're crying out to God, you're speaking out to God. So many times, though, we as Christians feel that it's, we, we feel silly in talking out loud to God. 
And you've got to get past that. You've got to get past that in talking out to God. It talks about confessing things with your mouth. The word of God says, Jesus said, speak to this mountain. It's not thinking to this mountain. It's not silently thinking to this mountain, be thy removed. It is speaking it forth. So crying out to God is you taking time and actually going to your prayer closet. If you don't have the luxury of doing that, just cry out to God and speak out to God, Lord, so-and-so is happening. So-and-so is going on. With the expectation that he's going to be there hearing you, you know? If you're talking to someone, you're talking to, to Martin Smith or John Doe, and the person is there in front of you, and you're talking to them, the expectation is that they hear you. Amen? If you're speaking to someone, the expectation is that they're here. I mean, unless they're hearing impaired, but they still they see your lips moving. Amen? So if you're talking to a human being, the expectation is that they, they hear you, and that what you are saying will elicit some kind of a response. Amen? So the expectation should be with you that if you're crying out to God, the expectation should be that, first of all, God is going to hear you. All right? I will cry out unto God most high, unto God who performs all things. Please underline, who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that will swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Please in the line, be thou exalted. Be thou exalted. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heaven. Let, them, let thy glory be above all the earth. Underlining, be thou exalted. Do you, do you exalt God? Amen. Do you exalt God? When you're praising and worth doing praise and worship and you're praising and worshiping God, are you taking time to exalt God or is your mind off someplace else? Is your mind off thinking about that ham I'm always talking about? Or is your mind off thinking, thinking about some boy or some girl or some other thing like that? Is your mind wandering? Do you have to exalt God? You have to get to the place in your hearts and in your minds and realize how important praising and lifting God up is. This is no, it's no playing matter here. I mean, you could be talking about things in your life that are going awry, that really need to be corrected, but you're missing the most vital ingredient, and that is, is, is what position, how can I put this, um, what position does God really hold in your life? Is God just a passing thing? Is God something that you talk about when it's convenient to talk about? Is God something or someone that you talk about when you're in a, a mental debate with someone? Is God just something that's a topic of discussion? Or is God someone that you really, really exalt? Because when you are in trouble, when there are troubles going on in your life, you need to make sure of how you're thinking about God if you want God to really, really answer you and intervene. So the expectation should be is that if you're... If I'm honoring my mother and father, and they're pleased with me, then all things being equal, if I have a need and I run to them, then they're going to help me. Okay? If I'm honoring my mother and father, and I'm doing all that I should be doing, then the expectation is if, if your mom and dad are okay, I mean, there's no, they don't have issues of their own, but in a normal condition, if you're doing the right thing, the expectation is that if you run to your mother and father, they're going to respond in a favorable way to help you. So that's the expectation that we should always have about God. Okay, if we are exalting God and lifting him up and we're walking right in his eyes and we're following his word as best as we can, then whatever troubles are going on in your life, that when you cry out to him, the expectation should be is that he's going to be there. The same way Israel had the expectation of deliverance, 
by this Messiah that was going to come. They were looking way ahead of all the troubles they had in Egypt and in Babylon and everything. They were looking ahead to the fact that Messiah was going to come. The expectations that we should always have, have is that if we cry out to God, that he will be there to relieve us and take us out of the, out of the troubles. Five again, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps, and my soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me unto, uh, into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Whereof they are fallen themselves. Say loud. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. There it is again. Please line verse number 7. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. I will sing and give praise. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord. Underline, I will praise thee, O Lord. Among the peoples, I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, underline, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. So here we see here that, that through this, that the expectation, talking about expectations, is that we have to trust in God when we have troubles going on in our lives. All right? The other thing is expect God then to give you patience. This is the challenging part here. Go to uh, Psalm 62. Okay. Expect that God will uh, give you patience, and and that's that's one of the most difficult things I think we have as human beings is that when we are praying to God for something, or when there is an issue that is going on, for us as human beings, it's very easy for us to be uh, short-sighted, especially when there's an issue going on and there's a challenge. When everything is going smooth in your life, you know, and, and everything is hunky-dory, as they say, there's no sense of time, so to speak, because we're just in a, in a good, good space, we're in a good space here, and then you're happy. When things are not going right, and you have a prayer to God, and you're saying a prayer to God, you want your prayer answered almost immediately. You know, and each day that goes by, you're looking like, well, okay, Lord, I prayed you. You may not be saying it, but you're certainly thinking it. Well, Lord, I prayed to you. Where's the answer? When is it coming? Okay, so the expectation is also is that, and many times we forget to even think about praying this, is that after we cry out to God and we're saying to the Lord, Lord, I have this issue going on or this person is challenging me, is giving me some trouble, is that also maybe we should think about praying to the Lord, Lord, give me patience. Give me some patience to wait and I know that you're going to bring me through this and Lord, let me wait on you. Uh, Chapter, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 62, verse number 1. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against the man? You shall be, uh, you shall be slain, all of you, like a bowing wall shall you be, and like a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from the excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul... Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Please underline, or underline my expectation is from him. My soul waits thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Please underline, I shall not be moved. 
not being moved off of your faith is such an important thing. You know in scripture where it talks about a double-minded man is unstable in in all of his ways. Amen. You can't be vacillating back and forth when it comes down to God. If you're trusting in God and the expectation is that God is going to deliver you from something, then you've got to hold fast and hang, hang on to that expectation. You see, because the devil will come and put into your mind, see, this is day number six, nothing has happened. This is day number 12. Nothing has happened. You don't know what God is doing in the meantime. You cried out to God for deliverance from a situation. You cried out to God for protection. You cried out to God for some answers. So the expectation is that God is answering you. Or more importantly, looking at it through God's mind and through God's eyes, God has already answered it. Amen? Amen? How many realize that when you send up a prayer to God many times, and I'm not speaking for God, but many times the prayer has been answered? Okay? But it's just that in the natural realm, in the day-to-day realm, we have not yet seen the answer. But it does not mean that God has not answered it. The most famous proof of that is in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel had sent up the prayer um, in answer to, uh, I think it was Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and God had answered the prayer, and 21 days had gone by, and Daniel didn't see the answer. And finally an angel came and said unto him that the day that you prayed, Daniel, God answered your prayer. God answered your prayer, Daniel, the day that you prayed. And as I was bringing forth the answer to you, Daniel, the, the, the prince of Persia, meaning demonic forces, a strong man, withstood me withheld answering the prayer. And then the archangel Michael came along and defeated the enemy, and now I'm bringing the prayer, to, now I'm bringing the answer to the prayer to you. So in other words, God answered Daniel's prayer, but in the heavenlies where the prayer was being, the answer was being dispatched to Daniel, there were demonic forces that was, that was withholding the answer. So we see by scripture even that God answers prayers. Sometimes it can be on the very day that you answer it, that you, you send up the prayer, but you may not see the results until many days later. Now, in the meantime, in earthly time, things are going on. You don't know what's going on in the spirit realm. You don't know where God is working to remove whatever obstacles are there, to remove whatever is giving you a hard time, is, is trying to remove or prepare or build or construct something for you. You know, you're praying for a new house, you're praying for a new job or something like that. God could be in the process of having that new house constructed or the thing, the opposition to you getting that job removed, whatever it is. But God has answered your prayer. Okay? God does not live in a time continuum the way we do. There's no past, present, and future with God. It's one continuous now. Amen? So when God answers your prayer, the expectation is that your prayer has indeed been answered. So in five, then my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is with him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. A refuge is a place of safety. A refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Verse 10. Trust not in oppression. Underline, trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once. 
twice have I heard this, that power belongs only to God. Please in the line, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs unto God. You see, so regardless of, you know, many, many, so many people think, you know, they get so puffed up when they're in a certain position or in a certain office, and they think that I am so powerful, I am this, I am that. Oh, no, 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 power belongs to God. All right, power only belongs to God. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest, uh, renderest to man, to every man, according to his work. All right? So we see here that while we are, are waiting for whatever it is that is opposing you, whatever is giving you a hard time or whatever that you're struggling with, the expectation, talking about times and periods of expectation, the expectation for you is that you expect God to come through. And whatever, if God is at the helm, whatever the result is, it's going to be in your favor. It's going to be in your favor because God is the one that's in, in control and God is, is your heavenly father. So God is not going to give you something or let something come about that's, not, that's going to be harmful to you or will not in the long run benefit you. Amen? Amen? So we see uh, the expectation here relative uh, to patience and waiting on God. And then in closing here, uh, Hebrews 11, what I want to do here? Let me see. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Okay. The expectation here that your faith will bring victory. Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Now faith, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? Now faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now if you put on the line the word now, and you read that is now faith, and I'm not saying now in terms of now, faith is, this is now faith, meaning the type of faith is faith that is now. It's not faith for tomorrow, it's not faith for yesterday, or faith for next week. It's meaning that you have faith right now. Because of the fact that, as I said before, God lives in, 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 in a constant. He does not have yesterday, today, or tomorrow. So your faith has to be right now. As you're sitting in the chair, as this particular situation or a situation is working in your life, your faith is now at that moment. Now faith is the very substance or the essence of the things that are hoped for, and it's the evidence of the things that are not seen. You know, um, you know that scripture that says hope that is seen, is hope of things that are seen is not really hope. All right. So your faith is your now faith for the situation right now, not tomorrow. Oh, I'll have faith for this Monday morning. But right now, this thing that is going, I have strong faith right now that God's going to deliver. The expectation is that God is going to come through right now, right now. My expectation, the now faith, right now is saying to me that I'm going to be victorious over this situation. So my expectation is that God is going to work this thing out. That God is going to have that situation removed. God is going to have those people that are giving me a hard time put in check. Those things that are going on, my faith is right now. That faith that is right now at this present time, not later on, that faith that is right now is the very essence, it's the substance of what you're hoping for. 
Okay? If you can't have that faith right now, right now, then your faith winds up dwindling. And why is it so important that you understand the concept of faith that is right now? Because guess what? You are always in a state of now. You're always in a state of now. So if your faith is now, five minutes from now, (laughs) five minutes from now, five minutes into the future, my faith is going to be at that present time. So now faith. So that now faith puts you in a position where your faith is constant because you're always in a state of now. Okay? A half an hour ago when you came in here or when we were praising half an hour ago, that was your now. All right? 20 minutes from now, that will be your now. So you have faith now. A second from now, you have that faith. Five seconds from now, you have that faith. So it's a continuous thing. That's what Hebrews is saying. And that's the secret behind, behind having continuous and strong faith. It's the, very, it's the very substance, the very essence of what you're hoping for. So your expectation is then, if you have that kind of faith, that God is going to bail you out, that God is going to bring you through. The last scriptures here in closing go to Romans. Praise God. Romans 5. Okay. And so, if you have, if you're doing all the things that we just discussed, and you have the expectation that God is going to deliver you, that God is going to bring you through, that God is going to remove those that may be giving you a hard time, then this is where you should wind up. Chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, underline faith, we have what? Peace with God. Underline peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Please underline the word grace. Okay? By whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You stand in a condition of grace. Okay? Grace, as you know, is that unearned thing. If you've got a bill or something like that, well, it used to be anyway, you had a grace period to pay the bill. <laughs> All right? Before the, before the bank or whatever start having issues. You had five days, seven days, or whatever it was. It was a grace period. The bank just gave you that grace period because you didn't do anything with the bank. You didn't contact the bank. The bank just merely said, we'll give you a grace period of five days to pay the bill. Well, grace that God, we are under grace. God sent his son. God, you know, you know uh, made us to the point, got us to the point that we could have everlasting life. Uh, salvation that he gave to us through his son is all by the grace of God. We did not earn it. There is nothing that man could do or did do to earn God's uh, salvation. It was all by the grace of God. So in this scripture here says that, By whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So your expectation should be that if I am under God's grace, then the expectation should be that God is going to hear me. Okay, because I have salvation, God loves me, and everything that I have was not earned. It is by the grace of God. 
in verse number 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Please note the line, we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation works patience. Underline, knowing that tribulation works patience. And patience experience. Underline, patience experience. And experience hope. Now, where it says there, uh, tribulation works patience. And patience experience. What it does is that, verse 3, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations brings patience. When you have a difficult time in your life, it winds up bringing patience because that patience brings experience. What the experience here is referring to is experience in God's spirit realm, in God's kingdom. Because you start knowing that if you've been through tribulation and God has brought you through those tribulations, it works patience in you knowing that God is going to bring you through this tribulation also. All right. Your past experience tells me that I had this issue before and I prayed and I cried out to God and God delivered me from it. So therefore, my experience in God is that God will indeed deliver me. So because I have that experience based on past knowledge, now I have patience in going forward because I know that God is going to deliver me again. Okay. And so that experience that you are building gives you an insight into the spirit realm and, and the patient's experience showing that, knowing that you have this experience and knowing how God works in the spirit realm. You follow what I'm saying there? All right. So the difficult time that you're having now, knowing how God worked before when you had a difficult time, the expectation is that moving forward, God is going to also deliver me. And how do I know that? It's through my experience in the spirit realm. It's through my experience with God. I can speak to you the same way David said he was going to slay Goliath. He said, I will go forth and I will do so and so and so and so. And he says, before God delivered me from the bear, he delivered me from the lion. Remember that? And David said that God helped me to slay. All right, that was David's experience. I can speak from experience what God did for me in the past. And all things being equal, things beyond odds that God did for me, all things being equal, God will do the same thing going forward. And I know this because of my experience in the spirit world, in God's kingdom, knowing how he works. And the same thing should be for you, you know. And everyone here is old enough to have had something in their lifetimes really be challenging that God delivered them through or brought them through, you know. So knowing that God brought you through before, then your expectation should be that God will bring you forward to whatever this thing is now or whatever may come up in the future. And how do you know that? It's because of your experience. It's your experience that you built here. Tribulation, uh, but we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. All right? So underline the last part there, experience hope. So therefore, your expectation gives you the hope knowing that what God did before and brought you through, God will also do this now. So therefore, experience tells me that I have hope because what I did before, God is going to do. What God did before, God is going to do do again. Amen? So that's your experience. If, If you're driving in your car and every single time you take Fifth Street home, there's a tremendous pothole, and you keep running in that pothole and your teeth are shaking loose, then you know all things being equal. Every time you go down Fifth Street, the same thing is going to happen. How do you know that? It's your experience. Well, I went there last week, the pothole was there. I went there the week before that, the pothole was there. The same thing happened over and over again. Well, it's no different with the things of God. If your experience is that God delivered you from something that seemed to be impossible back then, he brought you through... 
Something else came along a few months later. God brought you through that. Something else came along. God brought you through that. Then your experience in God is that God always brings me through. So therefore, through these tribulations that God allows to happen in our lives, Jesus said, remember, in Matthew, he says, you will have tribulations. Okay? However, he says, God, Jesus said, I came to overcome the world. All right? So that means that the expectation you should have is that God is going to bring me through this one also, based on that experience. Verse number five here, and hope maketh not, uh, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts in the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. Amen? Amen? So you see here, and that's the last, the last scripture. So during this time of expectation, where, you know, we're looking forward to the celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And as it was prophesied so many centuries ago before his actual birth, the expectation during this time relative to the things of Jesus should also be with our own lives. This is how you personalize it, and this is one reason why this season has so much meaning. You know, you know this is celebrating the birth of Christ, but look at how all of this came about and what God's reason was for even sending him, for giving some hope to man, giving some hope to Israel, ancient Israel. Giving hope to us even today Because guess what? Jesus will be coming again There will be Advent also refers to the second coming too, by the way But it also looks forward to his second coming So there should be expectation in our lives That God is always going to bring us through situations Remember to cry out to God Remember to praise God This is very important To remember to, to take the things that we profess as Christians Very, very seriously Because it's not a game it's not a game. And as Jesus continues to tarry and as the world progresses and things go in the manner that they are going, it's going to require us to have strong faith and to have expectations that God's going to bring us through. Because otherwise, um, then you too become like the non-believer or the unbeliever. Amen? So expectations that God will always bring you through. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.